0: number 30 30. it's nice to see you guys yep i know it's crazy right and it's almost august last day of july so um we are we just having a nice chat about how to how our platform is growing how what we're doing is growing so we thank you to everybody who's joining and we we really love the groups and love the member engagement. So it's really valuable. And uh, David, do you want to tell people who mm-hmm. we are? What Solid Ground is?
1: Yeah, blurb. So I'll do the blurb. I'm feeling self-conscious because I still haven't got any musical backing or turned into a beat poem yet, but watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> so Solid Ground is a peer support community for anyone concerned about the imposition of critical social justice. CSJ aka woke and or COVID mandates in their workplace, university, children's school or community. We offer weekly online peer support groups in which members share ideas, thoughts and support for how to navigate the impact of these ideologies and answer the question where do we go from here. You can join one of our groups for only $5 per month. To find out how to join our community please visit SolidGroundSupport.com. And please note Sologram does not provide psychotherapy or legal advice, and nothing we should do should be construed as such. I probably should know that I should have that memorized by now, shouldn't I really?
0: Well, and next time you really should just have like some music that you're ready to press play on so that you can have, you know, a little tune. (laughs) (laughs) No what if you had to say that in your own words? What would you what would you say?
1: I would say. We're a bunch of wacky um, heretics who have been rejected from wider society and (laughs) created our own utopia online. Please come find us. We're not going to get you out of your sticky mess if it's legal or if you're a bit crazy, but (laughs) we can get you to um, hopefully open up and explore some ideas. Cheers.
2: You can anytime you like, but you can never leave.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I could have Hotel California playing in the background. Definitely. Yeah, that's what you need
0: to do. Is the mute like just the music only for Hotel California?
1: <laughs> right. All Hi, welcome. Jen.
0: Jen's in the chat. Hello, Jen. Nice to have you here. And so, Deborah, you had this interesting experience this past. Was it just just this weekend, or Good. was it? yeah and you had um kind of a the the cultural debate happen with an individual just in passing, sort of like somebody. so could you explain what happened
2: yes and and i I wasn't the one that engaged in it the most. I have a new friend who did I have permission to tell this tale. We called it in the wild. um <laughs> I was meeting with somebody from the unspeakeasy, which is a community for heterodox women. And we were sitting, having coffee, talking about all of the things we talk about here. And the topic came up of both psychedelics and psychotherapy. And also she had a friend who had just completed a master's in counseling psychology program who had been appalled with what was happening with that. And the, we were in like two seats here and there's a woman behind her. And that woman kind of came into our conversation and was like, what are you, what are you talking about? And it turned out that she is a, was a psychiatrist in her residency and was a little interested in psychedelics, but the the topic turned to there's indoctrination going on in psychotherapy. And she was like, really? I don't think, I don't, I, I didn't hear any of that. I didn't see any of that. But then as she proceeded to talk it was clear that even in the med school program she had that there were certain things that were, were coming to that, and she just wasn't even aware of it. So, for example, somehow we got on the topic of, um, well, it's you know it's really good that we're you know race like race comes in like you know there's a used to be those two scores for your kidney the eGFR I forget on your blood test and they separated out for African Americans this other one she goes in but they're not doing that anymore she said I we're stopping racializing so many things. And I thought, I I mean, this is where it was hard for me because there were things she was saying that were so untrue or backward. Like, like I'm thinking, no, we're actually racializing everything in medicine, you know, and, but the woman I was with, she said I could use her first name, Kelly. Kelly was really much calmer and just was like, well, actually, I don't think that's true. And she would come back with sort of counter information. And I, I noticed that I, I like to think I can have these conversations, but I didn't choose to enter it. So I, I was a little uncomfortable. So I, I, I said, I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and by the time I came out, which wasn't that long, they're talking about transing children. I mean, we went they went from race to transing children like very quickly, apparently. And this woman was def, you know, just sort of saying all the things like, well, you know, it's hard, you know, if we wait till after puberty. This is going to happen. And and Kelly was really good. I mean, Kelly went through everything we would talk about about, well, you know, these, the evidence isn't good. You know, these other countries have been reversing what they're doing. Um, Should we really use something that there's a lot of uncertainty about? And, but the woman just kind of kept coming back with all of the phrases, like the unconsidered, you know, phrases that we would talk about. And then we also got on the topic of, uh, well, it seems like some therapists are having a harder time uh, counseling people who might have a different point of view than they do politically. That the p- therapists have a political agenda, and of course, can't yeah, think they're doing that. But she goes, but of course, if I had a client that was saying hateful things, you know, like I might need to do something about. That. And I, and as I sort of po- piped in with that, it's like, well, what, what, you know, like what is hateful, or what, what is, you know, happening. So in any event, this. Mostly it was Kelly kind of giving a lot of good counterpoints. And then I sort of noticed that I was just so agitated. And then I I found myself, maybe it's a compensation strategy, but it ended up being helpful later, wanting to connect with her on other things. Hmm. She still kept staying there, though. It was so interesting. I mean, there were so many points that we were basically saying uh, no. And (laughs) um, so she had a book. So I said, I love seeing people read books, like a real book. You know, what is it? And she just lit up she had done creative writing in undergrad she just you know told us like all about this book and how she was in this other book this person had written and i don't know like something really changed in terms of the general vibe and i just kept looking for everything in her that i wanted to see other aspects of her cuz i felt like i was putting her in a box even in my mind of like oh my gosh this person is like a robot saying repeating all <laughs> the things and so um I kept kind of working with that and it was amazing to me she was she for an hour at least I was just mm-hmm. surprised she just kept and and she she and Kelly kept pressing about these things my friend's program is really terrible and she, the woman even said well I'll, I'll go look that up when I go home like what was the name of the program and the thing is that if she looks at it she'll probably think it's fine um but in any event it was both uh I felt I wanted to have done a better job of being curious about her points of view I I didn't talk as much and so I felt a little bit like I failed on that to, to, you know, because I was so agitated Kelly had more of a strategy of I'm going to inform her but she was so calm and she didn't have any apology for. Stating what she thinks is true. And I'll admit this woman was a little, that she kept staying. So she wasn't immediately turning it on us. Like you guys are terrible that you think that she never said that at all. So it was, I don't know, it was just a very interesting thing to be thrown into like this culture conversation with a stranger. You didn't, you know, I was thinking a lot about context. Like when you don't get to control kind of the context and it's a little harder like to maneuver around to do what you might do if you chose to have the discussion, like. Um, and I think the other thing that was interesting too, there were things that she was, you know, fine with the children taking these medications and all this stuff is rather aggressive treatment, but then she had a whole other point of view about, um, certain forms of therapy or medicating people or doing other things in other realms that she thought these types of treatments were like way too aggressive. And I, I didn't get to the point of saying, I, I wanted to like point out, well, that's interesting that you're very cautious, like on this front, but it seems like it doesn't apply there I'm curious how you distinguish these I didn't I didn't get around to asking that um so that's that's what happened it just made me wonder about you know what do we do if we are thrust into it's one thing if it's your boss or your workplace it's another I don't know there's a stranger you're at a party um this comes up you know how to have a conversation Well,
0: there's a couple things that you said that really that immediately sort of stood out to me one of them was how you talked about um that she kind of there's this robotic you you kind of joked about it but that kind of robot and that I think comes from the the repetition of specific phrases and ideas that are so it's like when when Jennifer when you said the woke zombie mob came after you and they were like just like you know, all in lockstep with their little (laughs) phrases and stuff. And it seems like some of the things, the way that there's the way that they say them, there's not really a way to refute it directly because it's not fact-based. And so you can't just offer up some counterpoint. You have to then go into this whole philosophy and this whole, and so that it's difficult to want to even engage with that because you have to rewrite the whole foundation of how somebody came up with that and who's going to, how can we rewrite somebody else's foundations? And so it's so hard to even talk with someone who's parroting certain ideas, that it is tempting to just walk away from it. In a way, it is tempting to just like I don't even know. Yeah, where I was like I going to the bathroom. Yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. But and then, then yeah. Oh, sorry, You also
0: ahead. your your impulse to talk with her about other things, I think, is really that's really awesome because it's it's it highlights the shared humanity and the fact that we are not just these, we aren't, we don't, who we are doesn't come down to how we feel about a certain, a certain ideology, whether yeah, we're in she, line with it or not.
2: And she did say, although she might have meant something different than I do, she said, you know, I think it's just so important to give people a space to self-reflect, like, and that, and I don't know if she thinks self-reflect is thinking about your privilege or so. I don't know, right, but I, like, that really hit me in this beautiful way, and so several times, I did, I just felt moved with my hand in my heart, and I said, God, I'm just loving it when you say that, you feel like, Part of your job is to help people self-reflect i was like like that's really speaking to me you know and i i really felt moved by that so i was like okay even though i'm having all this like objection you know to her i was like that, okay that's like i can really resonate I, I almost i just wanted to like acknowledge her like <laughs> i don't know what that did for her i'm not sure but i felt i felt closer <laughs>
1: It's nice that you had that instinct to kind of humanize her because you thought, "I'm slowly creating a pigeonhole and firmly inserting a pigeon into it." <laughs> um, I
2: have to admit, it wasn't intentional at first. It was a little bit like, "I'm anxious, and I, I what's my strategy to make things less stressful?" You know, but then later, it, it, I felt like, "Oh, I am doing that."
1: When you said Deborah about wanting to be more curious as well, like uh, you wish you could have been more curious, was that so you could build out her ideas? Was that was that because you wanted to kind of help her to see maybe what her real thoughts were beyond these thought-terminating cliches to, to kind of help her build these sort of reasoning out for herself as to why she believed them? Was that what were your angle I,
2: was? you know, that's that's the thing a person could do. I I'm kind of drawing more on like stuff from Braver Angels and other things that I do. More I wanted to really just Sometimes I find if you can just get down to the level, I might not agree with any of her reasoning about anything, but like, if you can find that someone has some values and like what those are, and that they know you got that they have some. So if I'd say, so you seem to care about such mm. and such and you kind of drill down. So is that because of, I don't know, right? Like what motivates, like do you care? I don't know, I don't know what it would have been, but I could kind of get below the surface of she's advocating people do this stuff down to, Oh, I care about um, people. I don't. I don't even know because I don't. I, it's hard for me sometimes to figure out what people are thinking on this on this level. Um, yeah. And so I didn't. I didn't go there. And again, like Kelly was so good at just continuing to unapologetically state her point, and multiple times. I mean, sometimes, like, I I would have been so. I probably would have said my thing and then kind of hid, right? Like, and. Um, she was very relaxed. I was really um, impressed that she could do it. And I kept thinking she was trying to hit home too. Like, I think she did things a few times to try to get the woman to admit something. Like, which the woman never rejected things outright. It was very, it was very, very interesting. And even on history, the woman said, well, we know we never really heard, learned real history. And Kelly's like, I don't know, maybe I went to a really good school, but we really learned all the stuff that they're talking about now. So that's really interesting because I learned all this stuff.
0: <laughs> so interesting jennifer william mccarton says your background is lovely and i i agree and it actually as you lean up against it it looks like you're part of it because the colors you're wearing match. <laughs> <laughs>
3: we're all one
2: <laughs> are, you doing are you doing a little Saraswati or
3: i, I have multiple arms <laughs>
0: <laughs> and two heads <laughs> that's right
3: one of one of my heads is a dog head but it's still really my head
0: <laughs> what do you think jennifer what what do you think about i thinking
3: um i'm very impressed when people can um you know have these conversations with people who are saying kind of woke things that it, and it's It's odd for me to say that because I've always been a person who's pretty comfortable having um, discussions with people who thought completely differently from me. And it wasn't until I had that really aversive experience with the DEI stuff in my workplace that I became a person who wasn't really able to tolerate that. And um, I think some of that is because it brings up such intense emotion in me because of the um, suffering I went through and all the massive changes in my life. So it's still very, um, you know, it still pushes my buttons, but I've been kind of working on, um, just staying present and calm when people are spouting what to me <laughs> is utter <laughs> crap. Um, but trying just to be able to um, be with that. And I think I'm a couple months out from being able to have a conversation with someone who's who's saying those things. I, um, I, I feel like I could help other people with how they respond, but me, myself, my emotions around all that are still really high because it just immediately sends me back to um my own experience that was so upsetting so i know that's part of it and i have to kind of um be aware of that
2: i think it's hard because i was wondering too like why is the stress so high like i could have a disagreement with someone who's Red or Republican, that's not been the side I've typically been on. And I feel like we could just have a really interesting, I think it's the fear of my own side is it going to attack me and damage me. Like that's that just yes. dis- even if a Republican did that, I wouldn't feel as bad because I'd be like, Well, that's not been my team, whatever. But it's like, oh my gosh, my own people or something are well, there's there's something so emotionally
0: know. jarring about having somebody say things that you know aren't true and say them to you as if they are. There's something just so I think it's it, it, it's there's it causes such dissonance to have someone like like looking at you and saying, Well, the sky is is green or something, you know, just like something crazy, like these, the new reframe on race and the whole idea of the trans child and all these things that just, we know that we could have had conversations with anybody 15 years ago, and this is the way that it would have gone. But now there's a whole bunch of people who just, just believe this stuff and say it with such fervor. And I think that that's really, it's incredibly jarring. I think it's, and especially when it's coupled with ostracism like what happened in your job jennifer i mean that's that's gonna cause emotional damage and so it's no wonder that you can't engage without a lot of emotion coming up
3: yeah yeah and i feel like i have um It's not that I think that nobody has good faith discussions about this, because I do think there's people having good faith discussions, and I'm grateful for that. But how do I know precisely who's having a good faith discussion and who's trying to look, because there are people who are approaching this that from the perspective of, you know, all white people are racist and I'm just looking for evidence of your racism. And so they're not engaging with you on good faith. They're looking, they're using the conversation as a way to gain, as a way to gather evidence against you. And then how do you know what they're going to do with that evidence, you know? um, Which of course the evidence is distorted, you know but it's not real evidence because I'm not a white supremacist but in people's minds where they think everybody's a white supremacist and it's like it's basically that feeling of anything you say can and will be used against you um and kind of like the queen saying you know off with your head it's that kind of mentality sometimes and it's the mentality of it that i find so so creepy that kind of authoritarian punitive mentality and i think i really have um wanted to avoid people with that mentality and so it's like, I need to know that that person's engaging in good faith and then I can engage. I don't want to just have these type of conversations with, with anybody. So it's like, aha, there's, there is just another example of a white privileged woman, um, using her privilege to blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, just you're off to crazy town. I really want to avoid crazy town having had to live there for a little while at my job.
0: You know, your example, the comparison to the queen and Alice in Wonderland, that is such a great metaphor for this. It's that whole courtroom scene in in that book, I, I just reread that book recently with my kids and it's that that really resembles this and when you say that mentality you want to avoid it's that because I said so. And there's no, there's nothing that you can add that will make me think anything because I've already come to a conclusion. Mm-hmm yeah Mm -hmm.
2: right Mm -hmm. I think what helped with us was this woman wasn't trying to convince us really I mean it was so interesting to have her really so curious what we were uh, and I couldn't believe she hung out there that long you know like I thought does she not have anywhere else to go you know like (laughs) um, on the other hand that she was like a psychiatrist in training and I was kind of like Uh, And interestingly enough, she was very into maybe wanting to train in psychoanalysis and really like this notion of the three times a week for years model that that to me was in contrast of this like maybe you go to the gender clinic and they tell you in negative one sessions that you can go on this path like it was interesting that she had this view of not being rushed and let's do psycho analysis for millions of years. I don't know. Was it really, it was just very interesting. And so she wasn't so confrontational. It was more like it just arose that, wow, she has a different point of view. Um, And she doesn't know. I don't think she had in her mind that she was supposed to be being a social activist. So I think she had just finished med school in 2020. And so I'm imagining some things filtered in, but maybe they hadn't told them your job is to be an activist but there was these little bits of information or something like that so it wasn't so clear cut to her like she had some mission like that but some of the the thinking had been seeping in
0: a comment I wanted to read here a guy in his room says we used to say avoid politics religion abortion but now there are, are a thousand more things a day to avoid it's impossible and when I read that, and I don't, I don't know if this is what you were thinking with that, but I think I I kind of see that, but I see it a little bit like a a different, I, I see instead of avoiding those topics, we're talking about them constantly. And in this case, it's like someone else gets into your conversation in order to have like the bigger, like social conflict discussion with you. Instead, where once we would have had these parameters on polite discussion that would say that only within very intimate close relationships should we open up and have these deeper philosophical discussions about money, politics, sex, religion, whatever it is, these bigger things. You only discuss those with very personal context. Now everybody puts up, they tweet them on Twitter in like cute little sentences and then they, they, get into other people's discussions and they're an activist and it's their job to ferret this out and have these and I so I don't know I see it as like a a breakdown of polite discussion and that everything is on the table for discourse
2: I do want to say in this woman's defense that I don't think she intended to even have like I think she just heard the psychedelic thing and maybe psychotherapy and it was just kind of like what are you guys talking Mm. about and then the more she was saying certain types of things we were going her little woke alarm went on <laughs> and so i don't think she came into trying to get go, get us going on that necessarily it's more like we detected that
0: <laughs> i love that phrase woke alarm
3: <laughs> yeah I think anybody who's been through something in their workplace or school with this, we all have these. <laughs> it was woke alarms. Alert, alert, alert. <laughs> I definitely have one.
1: I had an interesting experience not that long ago with some friends. We went, we went to uh we hired out uh, like a, some accommodation for, for the weekend because it was a friend's wedding. And um, this is about the group of about six of us. And one of them in particular is <clears throat> really quite woke. And I, I, I've started to realise over the last year that some of the other members of the group are less woke and maybe get a little bit impatient with, with her going on, but would never directly contradict her. And this was like the first night, I think on a Friday we all got together, had a few drinks. The main wedding was the next night. So we've got two days to get on with each other. And before like five minutes in, like some some like Prosecco or something and some biscuits, we're talking about trans stuff. And like, and it's like, oh God, you know, it's just like, you know, so my not only my work alarms going off and my sort of like damage control kind of like, let's not get too heavily into this. But something interesting happened, which was that um, my friends, one of my friends said, and I, i'm surprised she said it because she's one of the less work but she said this whole trans bathroom thing she goes i'm starting to wonder is the whole thing just generated by like right wingers like this whole thing is it just right wingers getting everyone to fight amongst themselves because because i don't care i know I, don't, I know i'm not interested in this bathroom thing i don't know people i don't know many women that are upset with with um trans people coming into the bathroom you know it must be like a right-wing conspiracy and she sort of looked at me and I thought no it's not a right-wing no it's definitely not there's plenty of people that are upset with that um and then and then we and then a friend of mine who was quite woke really started sort of talking a bit more and she said she said a few things and I stayed quiet and then another friend of mine said she she knows that she knows my another friend knows my views quite well she said David do you have any views on this and I thought (laughs) <laughs> okay <laughs> so so then I sort of I sort of stated a few things um I don't know how far I didn't really go in that much with it but I just said there's a lot of people with a lot of different opinions there are a lot of people who are very concerned with the protection of women's spaces and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't say too much more and I kind of kept it fairly light and then I saw my work friend look at me and she it's almost like she played the ace card she basically just said well I think once you've 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 gone. Th- you understand oppression, then you start to you can empathise with someone else who's who's gone through oppression. And she was looking at me, and a bit like you were saying earlier, Jen, about the whole white woman. Okay, I'm the white woman. She was looking at me. She was like, "You're the white guy. You haven't been through oppression." She and and my friend is like half Asian or something like that. I went like this. Okay, I'm out. Okay, does anyone else want some more prosecco or something like that? Because <laughs> because at that point I thought i'm not going to get i'm not going to go any further with this and we did move the conversation on and the the next night at the wedding like we were getting on like there was no political differences or well there shouldn't be problems with political differences but we certainly were getting on like a really fun group and my friend said another friend of mine said to me i really like the fact you didn't take the bait i really said i really like the fact that you didn't take the bait you just kind of went oh well i'll leave it there and for me that was like quite interesting because I don't, think he re- I don't think he realized that I've been burning up since that time, thinking, oh, why did I let her get away with that? But actually, I did step away and my friend said to me, yeah, I'm glad you didn't take the bait. I'm glad we didn't just like erupt and you all start kind of, you know, on the first night. And maybe there is like, there just felt like there was a bit of an understanding amongst some of the other people that were there, that that, that, that was the moment. That was the moment to kill it. You know, like she was now challenging me about my identity. OK and actually maybe at that point there's a there's a way in which we can sort of start to think to ourselves if you're going to if you're going to do that then that is the end of our rational conversation in a way
3: but. right right as soon as somebody's thinking well you are this way because you're white or because you're male or because you're whatever then you know you can't really have a completely kind of um truly honest or pure conversation with that person, because in a sense, their mind has, made, has been made up and they're not really seeing you as a person. They're just seeing a sort of a demographic and you're becoming a stand in for something that they view in a particular way. And so anything you say is being looked at through that lens, like, oh, well, I'm speaking to a privileged white person. And ha- I mean, that's just not a, that's a very faulty basis for an honest exchange, I think.
0: Well, it's an ad hominem attack and it's hitting below yeah. the belt. And so you've already, yeah. you've already declared, I'm going to play dirty. So we're not going to talk about ideas on the level of your ideas. We're going to talk about who you are and why I just don't trust you. And right. so somebody's going to start slinging that around in an argument. Well, what, what can you do, but bow out because otherwise it's just, it's just going to be an ugly conflict so you yeah. sounds like you did the right thing david and mm. i think it's funny that she said david do you have any thoughts on or somebody's invited it's you i had this very like this thought of david is is uh dressed as clark kent today because you have no idea <laughs> <laughs> just rip it open and let you know
2: yeah no sorry. Oh, sorry i keep
0: interrupting <laughs> no i keep i'm just being a child Go
2: ahead, Fun. No, it's reminding me and I'm not getting these details right, but like you'll get the gist of it. So I don't know if you saw that Chris Rufo got into this recent thing with Eddie Gloud. I don't know how you pronounce it. He was a professor at Princeton and Eddie Glaude is African-American, black, whatever, and basically called Chris Rufo a racist. And I don't know how he said it exactly, but Chris Rufo was like, that's basically like, is that all you got? Like, <laughs> you know, and and he got ratioed so bad. <laughs> like, there was sort of like at this point, Chris was sort of like, I... That like basically that word doesn't mean anything to me that's you don't have anything um mm-hmm. and there's a bit of glee going on i noticed everyone's like yeah the tide has turned now that chris rupa won't you know what i mean like now the whole all the cards are going to come down when our dominoes are going to fall which is probably a little much but and he doesn't know that person i don't know if he knows that person personally it's a, it's a little harder when you have someone right in front of you or it's her friend or anything but um it was like he's like i'm not playing, mm. and. That's, that's been kind of
1: sort of what you did, David, in a certain way. Yeah, that's what I, yeah, really that's kind of what I felt. I, my reaction was to do that. But I, again, like, again, I felt like the, the whole of the next day I was like, oh, I'm going to get her back at some point. You know, that my like, competitive part of me that was like, that's been damaged by some of this stuff before. It was like, well, I'll fight back. And then to have a friend who, I don't know his views completely, but I know that he's maybe more, he's quite sympathetic to some woke ideas. He certainly is quite, doesn't like to get involved with stuff. He, he sort of, yeah he kind of gets quite like david are you really saying that stuff on your course but um the fact that he said i'm glad you didn't take the bait it just shows that there's maybe there's a sense in which we are getting to a point where it's like people recognize that that's not a good argument but they just kind of step away so there's and uh, and that's what we've been knowing for a while maybe 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 we don't know because we're not the sort of people that step away but um there's a lot of people who've been stepping away for a couple of years now and maybe maybe they're sort of letting themselves be known a bit more. I don't know.
0: We got a super chat from Ayasante. Thank you very much. And um, this Ayasante asks, how would you guys label yourself politically today if you feel you can and should label yourself? Does anybody want to bite that one?
3: Politically homeless. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I'd probably say I'm a left leaning liberal
1: hmm. I, I I thought maybe centrist, but I don't know I don't know maybe centrist actually I actually don't know
0: yeah I have a hard time with that one too. I don't feel represented by anything I really see in the political sphere right now. so I you know I hear that phrase homeless it's a it rings a bell. I tend to feel more true? center but
1: Sorry, I was going to say, does that, do you think that's, Leslie, because you, you don't feel you're a, a, aligned to aligned to any political party? Or is, it, is it also that you just like, even if I could define myself like on a political compass, I wouldn't know where to put myself?
0: Oh, on the political compass, I could probably place myself. I'd be, um, okay. I'm centre uh, c- uh, center and down towards libertarian. So that probably would yeah. be where i put myself on the compass. But if I had to give myself a label... I don't know yeah. what that would be right now in terms of what people are labeling things. I really do not like that we have made such a habit of using the word liberal when we mean illiberal leftist. I don't like yeah. that. That's something that right. really irritates me. And I try yeah. not to say it. I've, I've probably said it before because I just hear it so much, but I have to catch myself every time because that's not liberal. <laughs> What's <laughs> happening on the left? Yeah. Deborah, what about
2: you? I'd say I'm in that politically homeless thing too. I mean, I I was so liberal, progressive, like my whole life. There is, I, I noticed there's certain things, like I don't know if I'd ever not respond in certain ways because it's just it's something things are wired in, but I, I've been reviewing everything. Like a lot of things, I don't know what I think about them anymore at all, um, where I had a firm position. So kind of everything's up for review, but I feel like there's some things that I just can't help that I probably, I get that bottom left, that left, you know anti-authoritarian square (laughs) too so i don't know how much of that'll go away but i I, i'm thinking about everything in kind of new ways
0: a guy in his room says you mean politically unhoused jennifer
3: (laughs) (laughs) i'm experiencing being unhoused maybe i could say maybe i could say classic liberal with some conservative instincts maybe I could say that but that's probably the closest I could get to labeling myself.
1: Mm -hmm. Have you ever done one of those political compass things or like quizzes that puts you somewhere? Mm -hmm. No.
0: Where do you fall David on the compass?
1: I'm you sort of described somewhere I I think I'm bang in the middle of that green square so like between yeah most of the I don't know, like halfway between the middle and libertarian, should we say? And okay. then like, yeah, on the on the left. So, yeah, I mean that's this is it, isn't it? Like we we we're at a point now where the political spectrum of left right it's just not got enough dimensions, has it? So we need the we need the authoritarian libertarian dimension to really really sort of like build it out in clarity
0: yeah, I think that really helps. I, a friend of mine introduced me to the concept of the political compass just a few years ago, and it made everything make a lot more sense in terms of describing um, you know, ideology, because I think that that access is very important.
2: That's been hard for me is figuring out if if I'm more for, you know, say so reducing inequality or things like that, but then now I'm also having more mistrust of the state, right? So then I'm like, okay who who helps do that then if the state you know right like I, people are just like voluntarily going to go help with inequality so i'm in a conundrum about if i don't want a state doing a lot of things and i'm not trusting it so much like how do some things maybe get done that i might like to see happen if people aren't voluntarily doing them so i, I don't know how to solve for that <laughs>
0: I'm going to read a couple of chats here a asante sends another super chat thank you very much and says fun fact the left and right spectrum arose out of the French Revolution with the libs going to the left and monarchists going to the right of the room. That's really interesting, and then a guy in his room says if libertarian means anyone can do anything they want i'm not that. And also all the libertarian candidates seem goofy.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, you know, I I am I don't think that everybody anybody should do anything they want, but what I am opposed to is the state deciding what people can do. I think people should decide among themselves and culture for a lot of things. So I had this weird. So during the COVID crazy lockdown stuff, I was really frustrated with that. I really was disturbed by the state response to. COVID and the, the lockdown stuff. It was incredibly unsettling to me. I ended up losing my job over it. I, you know, it was, and it wasn't, it was for taking the wrong opinion because I was willing to do the measures that, that my boss wanted to do in the, in the clinic where I worked. I was willing to do all the things that she asked. I just didn't agree. And it was the discussion about how, whether I agreed or not about wearing a mask alone in the clinic I had the wrong, I wrong thinked, and I got fired for that. So it was a job I with that I'd had for six years. Anyway, I felt very strongly about how disturbed I was by this. And here in the middle of all that, one day I was sitting eating lunch <clears throat> on on my lunch break outside of a, um, a grocery stores, like kind of upscale, um, uh, you know, health food grocery place with that had this really pretty plaza outside. And I'm sitting there just having my lunch by myself. And there's a sign that says, um, don't tie dogs here. Don't leave your dog unattended here. And a lady right underneath of that sign, tying her dog up. Like, and I actually took a picture of it because it was, it was, it was like so meme worthy. Cause there's a sign that tells you don't leave your dogs unattended. There's a fine of like $500. If you do this and a woman actually tying her dog right beneath this, and then going into the store to go shopping and, I had this moment where I had this, how dare she kind of like welling up in me, like, Oh, somebody you you're, you're breaking the rule. It was like this desire to see her told not to do that thing. And then it like, it was this, this realization I'm doing that thing. Mm. I'm wanting, I'm wanting the uh, the authority figure to come tell the other kid not to do the thing that the kid is doing wrong in the class that I've been told not to do. And how are they getting, how's she getting away with that? It was this like very petty impulse to control someone else's behavior because I see them breaking a rule.
1: Because you were treated that way in yourself. Like well,
0: that- Maybe. Maybe, maybe maybe, but it was to me, it was like this is where this problem comes from. This is the same, I'm I'm part of the problem if I have a an a rule enforcement attitude toward other people. Like, why why am I worried about this? It's not hurting me. I just see a rule being broken and I and I have an impulse to go and get the person in trouble. What what is that? It's anyway, that's not very well articulated, but I don't know if it comes from me being told to do that. I don't think so because I was very i I would like that with the masks and stuff I didn't wear a mask a single time I just went everywhere I wanted to go and I didn't I, I didn't care if there was a rule so I'm not like a rule following person necessarily but mm-hmm. here I still had that impulse and
3: I think I, it's in all of us yeah. yeah yeah I think it's in all of us it just depends on what kind of you know what kind of triggers that part of us it's like you know, teacher, you know, Mary did this, like we all, we all have some of that in us. It's just a different extents. You know, I think the whole, there's a, on that political compass test, there were a lot, um, I scored pretty highly libertarian actually. Um, and some of that I think is just because I really do basically believe live and let live, but I wouldn't say that I'm totally libertarian because I also have the belief, that people will do what they can get away with. And so for the purposes of protecting people, like protecting employers, for example, from horrible exploitation and protecting employees from horrible exploitation from their employers, I think we need laws to protect employees. And I don't think the free market just solves everything. So I can't really say I'm libertarian because I just don't have that faith that the free market will solve things, or at least not quickly enough before some people's lives are ruined, um, or they have the experience of really being exploited. Um, mm-hmm. But then, in a lot of ways, I do feel like, yeah, just you know, as long as people aren't infringing on your rights, let them let them do what they're doing.
0: I think that's a really good point. I think it, and I don't know how to answer this question for myself philosophically. I just don't know. Um, William Paquet says because rules are often important for order. And I totally agree with that. I think we do need rules, it's just about enforcement. What's the enforcement measure? And, and I have, I don't know where, I, I'm still trying to work this out in my own mind and I don't know if I'll ever have an answer because it feels to, there's so much nuance necessary, but I am concerned about how much we are asking the state to control our lives. Sit down to the nitty gritty. And so I kind of wonder if maybe it doesn't come down to an issue of centralization. And the greater the centralization of power, the less responsive the power structure is to the needs of the actual people who are being governed. And so I guess that's, if I have to say you know, things that I'm wary of politically, I'm really wary of centralization. And I, I feel like uh, having power uh, decentralized and in the hands of smaller and smaller governing bodies is is actually much healthier for the lives of citizens. That's kind of where I lean. Hmm.
2: Wouldn't you say too? Like the farther, imagine the bureaucrat or whoever's I don't know enforcing. Like the farther removed they are, the more likely they're being arbitrary. Anyway, right? Like there's like there's just something about that distance between them and the actual situation that there's more likely people to go to that either checklist or you know what I mean? Like just not really having nuance, just like the machine mm-hmm. going along. So I think people's behaviors, there's, 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 I think there's probably systems that could be set up that are gonna either foster more like nuance and understanding and a refined sensitivity and ones that will foster more of let's tell in the teacher. Um, I mean, tell the teacher, right? And I don't know which, I don't know what you could design that would make it or just who you put in place in those positions, right? If there's people that are more mature, Or something that would likely lead it to not just be, you know, petty, I'm gonna tell on them, um kind of vibe to it.
0: So like a high control versus high trust concept.
2: Yeah, possibly, Or, or just even again, if like people are administering their jobs and everything is just even when you see how DEI and stuff like a lot of this is ministered. it's it's kind of like no one's contextualizing at all and it's just like I have the I have the five I've got to get these I, I I get my incentive because these five boxes are checked and like there's not anything like huh how is this impacting somebody like there's not much the self-reflection we can go back to our our the woman the other day yesterday we were speaking with you know like like I don't know how either you choose people who are capable of that or you don't make the process so rote and so insensitive to the circumstance, it's probably, that's why it's easier if it's probably local, right? Like there's some probably greater interest in responding to a situation in front of you, your neighbors, your, you know what I mean, or like people in your town, people may care more about uh, the subtle details of something instead of getting yeah, you know, I don't know, again, just being like little rubber stamper people or something, tattle
3: people.
1: <laughs> it's so confused, isn't it? It's sort of, it reminds me of a conversation I had with my personal tutor when we were talking about some of the ideas on the course that have been challenged, that I've challenged, and he was sort of saying, you know, you seem to be somebody who prizes individualism a lot, David, and I thought, well, yeah, I don't know if I prize it a lot. I just I just realised that it's not really being considered at all in these stupid collective... Like, this collective idea is incoherent. It's got so many contradictions. And it also reminded me of, like, listening to a Spike podcast recently, where um, I think it was Francis Foster was talking about, like, how um, a, a, a governing board in, in I think, inner-city London was kind of congratulating itself for uh, appointing a... It a, 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 was a majority Muslim school board and then they were celebrating that about a year ago that they'd done that and then when pride month happened they were surprised to realize that (laughs) (laughs) the board weren't very supportive of what they what some of the school were planning on doing for pride month and it's just this is just an incoherency isn't it it's like you're not doing anything to explain how collectivist individualist ideas can be you know all the nuance and sensitivity of creating this structure you're just kind of going we should do this dei tick box and then afterwards kind of going oh i you know it's, just, it's a mess
0: <laughs> yeah it's interesting i i went to a wedding oh years ago and the vows at first i thought I i i had a strong reaction to the woman's vows had something to do with, I promise to take care of myself and to always, and she was talking about like taking care of her health and her body and her, and her mind and just what, and I thought, wow, shouldn't you have said something about taking care of the marriage or of him and some, what your promise is to him. And I, I had a really strong reaction to it, but after a while I thought, okay, there's some wisdom in this because she's saying, I'm going to be I'm gonna to continue to work on being the best person that I can be so that I bring the best person into this relationship so that you have a partner who really cares about being being strong and healthy and um and sound for the purposes of this relationship and I so I it's not it's not the vows I would write but I could see kind of where where there was some wisdom in it and I think that that's the kind of the society that enables people to be themselves the best way that they can and each be strong and that's the kind of the, the idea of individualism for the collective yeah. in a way yeah. i so i don't know that that's a fragmented thought but just throwing that out there
3: did the guy have similar vows leslie about taking care of himself
0: <laughs> i don't remember i don't think I so that's it all why it stood out. out.
3: yeah <laughs> well so one could look at this through the lens of self-development for the good of the marriage or one could look at it through the lens of i am going to it's all a euphemism for i'm going to try to keep myself really hot looking to be a desirable penis receptacle which being (laughs) the cynic that i am i think that there's some of that in there
1: possibly the latter
3: because otherwise, I think if the guy had talked about his own self-care, his own self-development, then I would say yes, because that is what you try to do in a good marriage, because you're always sacrificing to and giving to the marriage, mm-hmm. um, because that's what you're building together. But when it's just the woman, I think, oh, these things are sort of euphemisms for, I'll stay, you know, I'm going to start getting Botox and I'm going to keep her a <laughs> mask.
0: This was not a really. She wasn't a high maintenance, like real pretty girl kind of girl. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. She was a little more um, like a businesswoman and a real like ambitious kind of person. And so my take on it was that it was it, I, at my the first way it struck my ear was that it was self serving and it was kind of arrogant and me me me. But not in that the exact volume. way. But that <laughs> you know, yeah. But I point taken and um, so I but I don't know I try I had I had a less than generous initial um, reflection on hearing that that vow and later on I, I just I tried to hear it a different way but it it's definitely been one of the most memorable things I've heard at a wedding <laughs> interesting well thank you for a good discussion on uh, woke alarms going off in the wild <laughs> and uh, and all the good stuff that. Uh, and thank you to Ayasante for bringing up the political stuff because I don't usually think about political labeling like that, but it is definitely very interesting to examine what that means to each of us, especially in today's.
1: Yeah. Can I just say something well? Sorry, let's always interrupt. Something you were saying earlier, Deborah, in your in the ex- explanation of, of your conversation, which I found interesting, was the fact that. The lady that was speaking to you and Kelly um, couldn't really conceive of the idea of be- people having pol- different political ideas. And then she said, oh, but there could be someone who had a really offensive political idea. And it's almost as if she could only understand politics in terms of offensive. And then what the status quo. And it's like, oh, my, my computer's just locked anyway. But I think it's just it's it's we should it feels like we want to encourage people to just be able to have different positions, have different values and beliefs. And 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 yeah, and I'll acknowledge that that's a framework rather than um, the status quo and then everyone else, the dissidents. So my, my my computer lost just as I was mid-flow in that and I lost. <laughs> lost what I was
0: <laughs> no, that's a really good thing to highlight. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks again, everybody. And uh, we'll let Jen go to her group and thanks for being in the chat, you guys.
3: We'll Thanks see everyone.
0: You next week. All right, and you know what? I keep doing this. Here's stop the recording now. <laughs> I keep I, I wait, I'm going to stop it after I say what I keep doing so that the person who listens to this will know what I'm talking about. I keep minimizing my doing. screen. I man, I minimize my little Zoom screen so that it's really small so that I can look at all of the screen and still see the chat on the side. And then it makes my little recording button disappear. So then I have this awkward moment after I stop the live stream where I can't stop the recording. And so I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) okay, so stopping the recording now.